Oh no, the space pirates! Welcome back to the Analog Sticks Podcast, where this week we're traveling back in time a little bit to 1994 to cover one of the most iconic games on the Super Nintendo, Super Metroid. Let's go! Fun fact, this actually happened in 1994. No way. All right, welcome back to the Analog Sticks Podcast. Thank you guys very much for joining us for episode four. My name Woo! is Rusty. I've got Cody joining me as always What's as up? my co-host. One whole month. It, it's been a month. It doesn't feel like it, dude. I'm really having fun with this. You know, relationships tend to uh, celebrate their one month. How are we going to celebrate? Uh, let's Let's celebrate by talking about a game. I love that. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> All right. This week we are covering Super Metroid, but before we get into that, Cody, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I've been actually, I've been house sitting uh, a friend and watching her dogs. One of them is a Chihuahua Yorkie mix. So that has been a very full and busy weekend trying to deal with that thing. The two best breeds of dog put together in one. I'm sure <laughs> that bark, like that. I'm sure its bark is beautiful. Th this dog, uh, without her owner around, is so nervous. I haven't slept <laughs> because. Uh, every half hour at night, she'll just start barking at the window, which is really creepy at 2 a.m., by oh, the way. But I mean, everybody knows sleep-deprived people are more fun to listen to, so you guys are in for a real treat out there, listeners. This is going to be a fun one. This is going to be great. I'm all hopped up on some monster energy. I have no inhibitions right now. <laughs> None whatsoever. None! <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm also here. I'm doing all right. It's been hot this week. I've had a normal schedule, and I have gotten sleep. But it's been so hot, I'm like, I get home and I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to do anything. Like, I've been doing my runs, like, every other day right now. and just doing, like, inside workouts and stuff. It's so hot, I'm putting a picture of myself on the screen right now from where I was really hot. But not like attractive hot. Like, this guy is hot. Like like very very sweat. So, <laughs> Look at that. Look at that picture of him. That's so that's just a hot fun. man right there. Yeah, and I mean Cody, you get to stay inside, but have you had to deal with this at all? <laughs> uh, a little bit when I <laughs> when I let the dogs out. It's just such a struggle, man. It's like ninety five percent humidity. So you go outside, sweat for ten seconds, and then as soon as you come back inside, you're like, ah, oh, that was miserable. That's the worst part. So for you guys who don't know, we're we're down here in the south southern u.s um it is so humid you can literally walk out for about 10 minutes and you're gonna have to take a shower when you get back inside it is instant sweat it's mm -hmm. miserable and i hate it but you know what i don't hate super metroid me neither <laughs> great segue so if you guys have played this already you probably know the game better than us it's a game that we've i've played twice now i think you've played once um <laughs> i've played it like four fifths Four-fifths. Okay. Yeah, so we've both dabbled in this game. We are by no, mean, by no means experts, so if we say some stuff that offends you because you're a super fan, I'm sorry, but this game's a, it's, it's a fun one from a day before our time. Yeah, I have a few things to say before the burn. First is, this all comes from a place of love. I loved the game as I was playing it, despite it being new to me. So hopefully, if you're a veteran player, it'll be nice to hear a 
fresh-eyed perspective on the game. And right? if you haven't played the game, it's available on NSO, and if you hear it and want to go play it, you can do that mm-hmm. there. So that's another cool thing. And then the last thing I want to say is, last week, I know I promised to be more prepared, coming with my own notes. That did not happen. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. I got a few pages of notes. This game's story is a lot lighter. I only have six pages as opposed to like 10 or 12 like I normally do. (laughs) Your notes. Those are mine, dude. Oh, okay. Well, they're on my Google Drive. Uh, I wrote them. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get into the burn. Um, But just a heads up before we do this one's a little funky because the way lore and Metroid works it's kind of all tied together. Whereas like a Zelda, you can bridge the gaps between games. No, this one, it's like a direct sequel. It's like the definition of as soon as Samus got done doing this, she went to go do this. And the way they tell you that is by basically giving you blurbs of the other games. Mm-hmm. So if you've played through them, you have more story information than if you haven't. But they try to sum it up. And I think it's at a point where you can kind of just jump into any Metroid game and you pretty much understand what's going on. But in this one, I have a burn prepared nonetheless. I had to do some research into some other games, but it, it's here. Are you ready? I'm so ready. All right, here we go. We're getting this adventure started, and to no surprise, Samus returns. No, wait, that's the second game. Anyways, after stopping the space pirates and big game hunting a species to the brink of extinction, here we are like a sketchy zookeeper holding an endangered species captive. After dropping it off for some testing, we must be needing some paper towels because we're off looking for another bounty. But before we can get away, we have to whip a quick Yui and find that we must have really pissed off PETA, and we must go search the space station that the space pirates have taken over. They've stolen the lone Metroid, and then Mama, Mama, I'm coming home. We're off to Zeb's again to save the universe. After running, jumping, and shooting our way through the planet, we must murder the Geico Gecko, castrate Casper, kill Mr. (laughs) Krabs, and imagine no more dragons. Then it's time to fight Mother Brain again, but this time we get by with a little help from our friends, and after emerging victorious at the cost of our beloved hatchling, we must escape the planet before it explodes, and the universe is saved. Beautiful again. Um, maybe not this time. There, there are some little jumps there, but that's alright. Yeah, I didn't get one take. It's not smooth, but <laughs> in, in post, it'll sound beautiful. I hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> I always do. Thank you. So that was pretty much the story of Metroid, though. Most Metroid games. (laughs) You know, that's part of what I really like about these older games. The story is almost always real simple. And it's a simple story by all definitions of the word story, but it's still a good one, I would say. They give you enough background Mm -hmm. information. They don't shove it down your throat, which is kind of what makes these games so good. But it's still there enough to where if you really want to dive into it, you can really understand and appreciate what the developers have laid out for you. And on this Metroid plot... There's still a lot, but on the surface, it's not all there. Is kind of yeah. what I'm saying. You in this game, you know, you know, <laughs> you know why you're doing what you're doing. You know what you need to do, and they accomplish that in like 15 minutes. Oh yeah, less than that. I mean, you get your intro, you get your boot sequence, and mm-hmm. intro cutscene. That's really just a bunch of words and like still images, maybe a little animation here or there. But it's it's very much. Hey, you lost all your powers again. Beat the bosses and save the world. But, like, there's so much more than that if you start digging even just a little bit. You scratch the surface and you're like, ooh, look at that, there's something else. The intro, is a, to me, it reminded me a lot of uh, when you boot up a Pokemon game. And it tells you what you did on your last save. Oh, yeah. Especially some of the later Pokemon games, once you get into the GBA era, which kind of 
almost directly follows the SNES. It's a lot of the same work. Mm -hmm. But with this game, they first tell you, uh, well, there's an intro sequence where it's just a bunch of cool images. I really loved the whole boot sequence. It was very ominous for a Nintendo game, at least. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the music's really good, and then it's showing you the Metroid hatchling. And then you boot up the game, you start your save file, and it basically sums up the story of Metroid 1, telling you how Met Samus stopped the Metroids and Mother Brain on Zeb. Uh, to prevent them from using the Metroids as a weapon. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it tells you what happens in Metroid 2, where she chases the space pirates <laughs> away towards uh, the Metroids' home planet of SR-388 and wipes them out, except for one larva, which essentially, if you've seen Twilight, I hate the fact that I have, uh, the one lone Metroid imprints on her after hatching and is like her child. And then you get into this game, and she's bringing the hatchling to the research station so that they can figure out how to harness the Metroid's powers to save the world or make it better or whatever. Is that a Twilight plot point? Yeah, the wolf guy imprints on a baby, and he's like, this is my baby now. <laughs> like, not. Only reason I know this, my fiance makes me watch Twilight like once a year. <laughs> I usually, I'm usually doing something else, but you, you pick up on some stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. If definitely. it's in the background. Um, Metroid 2 was on the Game Boy, right? The original Game Boy. There's a remake on the 3DS now that makes it playable, but yeah, mm -hmm. the original Metroid 2 is Game Boy. That's interesting to me that um, of all the... I consider Metroid to be one of the mainline Nintendo franchises, right? Um, it's interesting to me that it jumped between the console and handheld so early on. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Zelda did that as well. So did Mario. They were just That's trying true. to put their big IPs on the original Game Boy. I mean, you have Link's Awakening, I think, was on... Was that... That wasn't Game Boy Color. That was original Game Boy, right? I believe Link's Awakening was. Was that the first handheld Zelda? I think it was, yeah, because the Oracle games are on Game Boy Color, and then you get Minish Cap on the GBA, and then there's... Uh, Mario, Super Mario Land and Mario Land 2, six gold coins, both on the Game Boy as well. So they were just trying to put all the big first-party IPs on the original Game Boy. So it's like, you can play your favorite games on the go! <laughs> you know, 90s advertising. And you know what? That really worked. <laughs> it, it did. I mean, these games sold amazingly. But, um, like we were saying with the story here, you have the Metroid hatchling is following you around, basically. Mm -hmm. You go to drop them off the station, and like, you go to leave, but it's like when you pull out of your neighborhood and you forgot to bring your phone, and you're mm -hmm. like, oh no, I forgot my phone, and you turn around at the end of your neighborhood and go back and get your phone. Except instead of your phone, it's the researchers who are like, no, we're under attack! Samus, help! <laughs> you drop off the Metroid, like, here's the Metroid. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, you, you're, it's in good hands now. Do your tests. I'm out of here. And then Immediately. <laughs> It's like when a, it's like when a parent first leaves their two kids alone, home alone, <laughs> and they pull out. Call me if you need anything, but only if it's an emergency. Mommy, you spit on me! Oh my god, I'm coming back. <laughs> like like that's kind of what this is. You go back, and um, they were trying to research the Metroids for the betterment of society. But I was kind of wondering. This is a good question for you. Mm -hmm. What do you think the Metroids could be used to better society? I mean, they just suck the life out of things. Yeah, um, trying to think. I'll be honest, my, my off-the-top-of-my-head Metroid knowledge isn't totally there. Um, they, they could be researching its biology for, I don't know, longevity or something. Yeah, and I think the thing is, it's not just like, what I've played Dread now, and I've dabbled in Fusion a little bit, so I have a little more of the lore knowledge, but I think that they don't just, like, 
suck the life out of you and eat it. They like extract the DNA from life Ooh. forms or whatever. I think it could be That's used for some kind of like genetic engineering, crazy stuff like that. My first thought um, is because that intro does talk about you know having them study it for the betterment of society. I don't know what the general opinion on scientists were back in the 90s, but nowadays when I read that, my first thought is, oh, they're definitely not using that for the betterment of society. Oh, yeah, no, they're putting, <laughs> stabbing it and seeing, like, uh, oh, I yeah. don't know. It, like, we think animal cruelty, because that's, like, what you hear about nowadays with mm. any kind of animal testing. But, like, let's pretend it's in good hands. <laughs> let's just, just pretend. That threw me off so much. That little animal seemed so nice and friendly to you. It, it um, had the same vibes as Baby Yoda, whatever his name is, from Mandalorian. Oh, I actually haven't seen it. I've seen the memes. I feel like a better story plot would have been you try to drop it off and immediately are like, oh no, I can't do that. That's not right. It's my child. Yeah. <laughs> but no, man, Samus just drops it off and is like, all right, see ya. Yeah, and care. then they send the distress signal and you go back and you work your way in through the space station. This is the first time you get control of Samus. Mm. It's an empty thing. It basically teaches you how to move around and run and jump and shoot, I guess. Yeah. You get to the bottom of the station, and the hatchling is there in a room all by itself. Naturally, you're like, oh, okay, I'll get the hatchling, and it's all good. But plot twist, a big old reddish-orange eyeball pops up, mm -hmm. and it's Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> I was so caught off guard. Um, I, I I mentioned this before with the, uh, what was it, Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. So this is an older game. So there's a part of me that's like, oh, I'm not totally prepared for how this game is going to be. You know, I'm going to have to adjust to the gameplay since it's older. And so having a boss right in the beginning really threw me for a loop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was panicking the whole time. I died the first time. I kept getting hit. I was like, what is happening? The funny thing with that is it's the first enemy you encounter yeah. is like the second to final boss. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, no fight him. The thing is, you can't actually die to the first Ridley fight, because if you get to 30 health, or if you end up defeating oh, him, right. he just kind of like, alright, I'm out. If you defeat him, he drops the hatchling, then comes and swoops and picks it up. If he gets you low enough, though, he just leaves. And cool. now, this is a typical Metroid thing, you haven't really dabbled in the other games yet. But now there's a timer, and you have to escape the station before it explodes. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. happens in other Metroid games as well. It's like the cheesy, like... Game's over, run away, and don't die, and you do that, and then it's the big cutscene of the ship flying away, and the the station explodes. It's, it's for the SNES, it's impressive. Yeah, um, I don't know if I said it earlier, but this is my very first Metroid game. Um, it's my first Metroidvania, in fact. I just That's just a genre I haven't really played much of, so I came in not really knowing what to expect, but I've been having a lot of fun with it. It, it is a very, like, I mean, this is literally, this and the original Metroid and original Castlevania are mm -hmm. genre-defining. There is a whole genre of Metroidvanias. I mean, you look nowadays and you have stuff like Hollow Knight, mm -hmm. even Metroid Dread. They're still making things of this genre that, I mean, this is the roots of it, and it's it's really cool. But, you know, this was one of those whole things where it's just like, yeah, that's kind of like the stereotypical Metroid thing. You do leave the planet, though. And you go back to Zeb's, the planet from Metroid 1, your home world, and oh no, the space pirates took over. <laughs> so after you defeated them there, they just decided, okay, well, we lost, but let's rebuild our base. And yeah. that's basically what they did. 
with the enemies when you first get there? What were your first impressions on the little the little lizard looking things, the space pirates? Um, they were just kind of enemies to me. I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to make the distinction between space pirates and just the creatures that inhabit that planet at first. Mm -hmm. Now I think I kind of get it because those uh, lizard dudes are pretty distinctive. I handled them pretty easily. They didn't, they never gave me much trouble. Oh yeah. And we'll get into the enemies in more detail in a little bit, but as Cody said, it's basically you just have your space pirates and the creatures that inhabit the areas that you're exploring, and it's a lot mm -hmm. of like, oh, we slowly crawl on the walls and you can shoot us, or like, we'll spit at you or something like that. You know what I wish we had? Um, I was playing off the Switch emulator. They don't have, um, they don't have like a digital scan of the original manual. And I know how important manuals were back were back then. Oh yeah, you know they actually gave you context to like enemies and what you can do in the game and all that stuff. Without the manual in reading that before I started, I do feel like I was missing out on the experience. Yeah, I was just chatting with my uncle the other day ago about JRPGs because he's playing through uh, Live Alive, Live mm. Alive. I think it's Live Alive or Live Alive. I don't know. The game that just came out recently on Switch is the remastered JRPG. And we were talking about it, and he's like, oh, well, what JRPGs have you played? And I'm like, oh, well, not really a whole lot of them. Mario RPGs, uh, Pokemon, of course, and I've dabbled in, like, Chrono Trigger and a couple of the other smaller ones like that. And I, I'm like, oh, and I liked Earthbound. He's like, oh, I heard Earthbound's too linear. If you read the manual, it basically tells you where to go. I'm like, yeah, but who reads the manual? He's like, dude, everybody read the manual in the 90s. Yeah. It was like, how that, that was Game Facts before Game Facts. Reading the manual, um, I remember from my very early hazy childhood days, is what you would do on the car ride home yes. when you couldn't play the game yet. Mm -hmm. I remember getting Mario Kart Double Dash, and I was just, I couldn't get the plastic wrap off because I was four, <laughs> and I'm just reading the back of the box over and mm -hmm. over again. I'm so excited to play Mario Kart Double Dash, and I actually first played it at my friend's house because we went there first, and I'm like, I got a game, let's go play it! <laughs> But yeah, no, this was, it was something I would love to have. So anybody at Nintendo, if you're listening, put the manuals in for the goodness of humanity. It'd be Please. appreciated. I know you got copies. Oh yeah. No, you have to have copies. That's, that's, that's the, that's just a fact. But, um, so we're on Zebs again. We, we yeah. went on a little tangent there about manuals. <laughs> we're on Zebs and they've rebuilt it. Uh, you find a thing, I think it's called the Torian, which is just a big statue of like, the four bosses. Did you run into this at all while you were exploring? I did. I was so scared at first. So I tried to do as much of this as I could without any kind of manual or anything. So when I encountered stuff like that statue, I was immediately sus. Like, oh no. I was like, what if I walked into? I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very similar reaction. I started trying to shoot at it and when it didn't do anything and I saw the door didn't lock behind me, I'm like, eh, let's let, let's dip. And then yeah. I just left. That's actually how you get into the final boss area there. When you defeat all the ah. all, all the bosses, they act as keys, and you can get through. I did. I don't know what it is about the design of it, but I did eventually understand that it was the bosses. I, I saw mm -hmm. Ridley and Craig, and I was like, okay, yeah. those are the bosses. They must be activated or something. Yeah, and you have Fantoons also in there, and mm -hmm. then what's the other one? The other main one? The Dragon. Dragon. Dragon, yeah. yeah. The, the bosses are really cool. We'll really dive into them here in a little bit. But basically, you run through the planet and explore, and your goal is to defeat those four bosses to then get to Mother Brain and defeat Mother Brain so mm -hmm. that you can basically blow up the planet and save the world again. It's it's a very straightforward story. What, what this game does really well is the combat and the exploration, as well as like the whole item mechanics. 
Because that's the other thing. Right now, when you first start out, you can't just go straight to the four bosses and win. You have to get the items necessary to defeat them. Um, as far as the items go, I mean, you have stuff like the power bombs, the morph ball, your different kinds of beams, the space booster, mm -hmm. all the different suits. There's a lot of stuff we're going to dive into here in a little bit, but you got to get that to be able to progress. And then once you do open the, I think it is the Turian, you can go in and fight Mother Brain there. And that's, it's a whole really cool sequence. Now, you didn't get to finish the game this time around, did you? No, so um, playing on the Switch, you can do save states. I didn't know about the rewind feature. I wish I did. But I used save states, and I made a huge mistake where I played for a good four hours without actually saving in the game. And I got myself in a situation where um, my save state was at a place where I was just going to die. I couldn't get out of it. <laughs> so I had to let myself die, and I realized I lost all that progress. So this week, I might have actually beaten a game for once, but my own uh, hubris <laughs> led to my downfall. It's it's a shame. No, mm -hmm. but you, you were pretty close. You were fighting Fantoon. You just, from there, him. it is pretty quick. Um, you get the gravity suit, and you move on and fight the last two bosses. It seems pretty... That, like For me, that was like, okay, I'm close to the end, because you've done more, most of the exploration. Most of the mm -hmm. map is accessible. Um, but then you go into, once you do defeat all the four bosses, you go into the Turian, like I'm saying, and the Met the Space Pirates have been trying to clone the Metroids, and they made, they're called Mocktroids. You find them in, like, Craig's <laughs> Lair, I believe. Awesome. And they're just dumb versions of the Metroids. <laughs> um, but then in the Turian, there actually are Metroids sucking the life out of stuff, and you have to try to defeat them. You're thinking, oh man, there's there's a bunch of Metroids. And when you're working your way through, there's a big Metroid. And it oh. starts to suck the life out of you. Brings you to the brink of death. Literally, no matter how much health you have, it sucks all the life out of you except for one hit point. And then it stops. Then you're like, oh, well, oh. what's this? I'm not going to do it like it's some big reveal. That's the Metroid hatchling. It realized it was you and basically oh. stopped you from dying. And then it kind of just wanders off. It's like, oh, sorry about that. I'm going to go over here now. <laughs> and then you can go refill your health. And then you get to go fight Mother Brain. There's a whole big section of that. But when you're fighting Mother Brain in the big robot chicken dinosaur phase, yeah. it looks really impressive. Basically, Mother Brain does this big rainbow beam that does 300 damage. And if you survive the first one, she goes to do it again. But that hatchling comes and attaches to Mother Brain and starts to suck the life out of Mother Brain before it can do anything. And it's crazy. Like, this is one of the most... I don't even know how to explain it. It's a very good kind of cutscene for SNES qualities, I would say. Yeah, and it's um, it, it's impressive to me how much emotional, uh, what would you say, stock is put into that scene. It, it conveys emotion very well without having a single word spoken. Yeah, which I think is also pretty impressive for the Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, and I mean, at the time, that was probably like one of the biggest story-driven moments ever, outside of like Zelda and probably a couple of RPGs, I'd imagine. Yeah, even then, Zelda... By the Super Nintendo, it was just the first three games, right? Yeah, you had Link to the Past, Zelda 1, and Zelda 2. And Link to the Past did a really good job at story as well. But mm -hmm. when I played through that game, I never felt like the big, oh, this is it, this is my thing. No, it's just like you're fighting Aghanim. Nothing in that game hits like watching the Metroid uh, save you. He saves your life, turns, turns Mother Brain into a thing of dust, which is kind of what happens to the Metroid when they finish a target off. And then it starts healing you. Like, it attaches to you, and it's... Keep filling your health all the way back up to full. But then Mother Brain starts to twitch a little bit again. Mm. It just starts moving. 
and then starts blasting away at the Metroid and eventually kills it. And if you look into Metroid Other M for the Wii, I've heard that game's terrible, haven't played it, but basically they provide the backstory. The Metroid gets blown up and falls onto Samus. You then get the hyper, the rainbow beam, I don't know what it is, and you mm. just nuke Mother Brain, basically. And then you have to flee the planet and save the day just like that. That's basically it for the story, but the impact it has, according to Other M, is that this was like, Samus was like, this is my child, I'm depressed now. And it's really kind of like, like, yeah, we got that, but then the way they convey it in that, if you watch the cutscenes, is a little like, uh, it's a Wii game, and it's a little more gross than this kind of pure, just, I, I guess you could call it environmental storytelling, but it's not just the environment, it's an action telling a story. Yeah. It's more observational storytelling, I would say. I think that's safe. I, I might have made that term up entirely, <laughs> but I think that's that's the best way I would describe it. I love it. Um, I think this is one of those games that really plays to its strengths, being an SNES game, those are always the best ones, you know. It's um, super polished. It's fun to just move around and shoot stuff. Yeah. Really but, fun. But I don't want to get too much into that uh, before we get to the next section. Oh yeah, we're going to dive into a couple of other things here. First thing I wanted to talk about was the level design. Um, it feels very labyrinthian, mm -hmm. if that's a word. It, you're, you're basically always in a maze, and that's kind of the whole point of the game there, is to find the path forward is your goal. Uh, you're trying to find the path to the bosses and continue to move on. And one thing I always felt was cool is that you draw, you walk past a path. I didn't take any notes or anything. Well, I mean, I took mm -hmm. these notes while I was playing the game, but I didn't take any notes. Like, door here. But that's what people would do in the 90s, obviously. And it's like, you have to remember where the doors are because you're, you're going to be running back and forth Yes. when you unlock something else to open said door and progress. I found myself getting lost repeatedly at the same sections. And something that just absolutely crushed my soul is I was playing through and I got into Brinstar, I think. And I'm in the little green bubble area. Yeah, like, yeah, that part was weird to me. It's only a couple rooms there, right? Yeah, that was where I got stuck. I'm like, there's something I'm missing here. I, I'm going to take a step back, take a breather, and I'll come back in a little bit. And I went to go make a save state because I too was playing on the Switch emulator. And I saw that the last time I was playing the game, I made a save state at the exact same spot. Like the exact same spot. <laughs> And that, I'm like, oh, hell no, this is not getting me twice in a row. And I buckled down, and I found the way out, and nice. I felt so accomplished. I'm like, I am better than this game right now. I, I never had a problem with getting lost. I just have super big video game brain. I don't. Um, remembering where I am, that's like the only thing I'm good at, though. <laughs> I'm good with motor controls, not at, like, memory. <laughs> that's the, just kind of my general function. For me, maybe it's all the Minecraft I play. I'm just, I'm good at the whole spatial part of it. Yeah, I, I'm not good. I played Minecraft once when I was like 15. You were there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you had a crappy computer for that. Oh, yeah. I was running on like a, a Lenovo from 2009 that my grandmother gave me. <laughs> it was great when it worked, but then I installed mm -hmm. malware because I was like 12 and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but yeah, good times. Um, So for, for me with level design, uh, my biggest worry was going to be the backtracking. I hate having to backtrack in anything. And I knew coming into a Metroidvania that that's a big part of the game. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Not oh, at yeah. all. No, not at all. It was a lot of fun. They do such a good job at when you get new abilities, you can get through the different areas in new ways. And that kept it really fresh. Like I would, when I, dude, when I got the ice beam, oh, yeah. it was so satisfying to go through rooms that gave me trouble. And just to freeze everybody <laughs> and oh, run yeah. right through. Like, there's this one room where 
there's those little guys in the water that come up and grab you, and then mm-hmm. there's the cactus enemy right in the middle. The little thorn things, and yeah. And that is, I'm, I'm gonna say a bad word, that's such a bitch to get through. It can be a pain. But once you get the ice beam, you kill the cactus, you freeze the little grabby guys, and then suddenly there are little platforms that you can jump on. Now and you get can out. walk over them, you don't have yeah. to worry about stepping on them or them lunging at you, you're, you're just, it's easier. Here's a situation where I wonder if the manual might have helped me. I spent so much time um, thinking about those floating enemies that you just couldn't kill. Mm-hmm. I was, there are parts where it's obvious that you have to jump on them to get to places. But until you can freeze them, they deal damage if you try to jump on them. Yeah, and I didn't know about the freezing beam. Uh, so the whole time, I wasted a lot of time just trying to figure out those enemies when I should have just been moving on. Yeah, like, is the platform hitbox tiny? Like, what am I missing here? Yeah, what am I supposed to do? Oh, you know what, um, actually, are we gonna get to a section of just, like, gameplay design? You can, ju- you can just go for it. Okay, it the wall jump is so cool to me. The fact that... They don't tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, you were, so, you were able to wall jump the entire time, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, I never knew about it until the game told me in that one section where they... The helper per- animal. Yeah. That is... That's so cool to me. I was so hyped. I love the idea of stuff that you've been able to do the whole time, but just didn't know about. I feel like that's something old games can really do well that newer games just don't. You know, because we have the internet. You can just... Everyone knows everything about the you game. You can right Google away. it, yeah. Before you even get the game, you can know exactly how to beat it. Yeah. It's just you have to be able to do it. But I had the same thing happen to me. Um, I thought I got stuck, and after you get the speed booster, you can get into the room with the uh, little ostrich helper animal. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an enemy at first. I'm like, what did I do? Yeah. How am I stuck here? <laughs> oh my god. And then it just keeps running and jumping. And I'm like doing the same thing. I'm running with it. I'm trying to jump into the walls, Googling stuff now because I don't know what I'm doing. I eventually Google green ostrich purple eyes super metroid. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's your friend. He's showing you what to do. And I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. You have to basically run and crouch and you can do a super jump, the shine spark. And they, that's like the game's way of teaching you that. Just a little yeah. hidden area to teach you a one-off skill that they don't tell you. And the same thing happens with the wall jump. And I believe maybe like the bomb boost thing where you can time your bombs right and keep gaining height. Yeah. I don't know. I never ran into that one though. But just when I learned how to wall jump, I'm like, why? I wish I would have known this the whole time. Even just the fact that you jump up a bit when you use your bomb in ball mode, there's one section early on where you have to roll through. But if you try to do it without jumping up from the bomb, you take a lower path that brings you somewhere else that Mm -hmm. you'll need to be at. So the only way to get through is to jump a little bit. And just the way the level is designed, it does a great job at visually telling you what you need to do which i really like it's not shoving a tutorial down your throat it's kind of telling you hey there's a thing you can do here if you figure it out it's useful and i I love that i love how the game just trusts the player to be able to figure things out although we you know we only had a week yeah no and i mean i was able to at a certain point i i wanted to make some other stuff get some stuff done so i did end up just pulling up a walkthrough Mm -hmm. to essentially skip some of the exploration i enjoyed the exploration if i had more time i would have really loved to have done it without the walkthrough i was just i'm crunched for time i had other videos to work on and whatnot but it's just really fun running through these stages and figuring stuff out as you go but another thing you do is you find all the items throughout and i really love the way they do this before i even get into the music and all that that makes it so much more enjoying there are a ton of items to find yes that surprised me i was so I don't I don't know anything about Metroid, especially the early Metroid games. Um, 
I'm really surprised by the depth of this game for an SNES game. Um, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, you know? I just didn't <laughs> know anything about the games. I've only ever seen, you know, little clips of early game when you just have the blaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's really fun when you go through. I mean, there's. I'm going to list off the items real quick. There are 14 energy tanks that act kind of like Zelda heart containers. They give you more health. Mm -hmm. There are 46 missile tanks with five missiles each that are basically just stronger <laughs> bullets. They're the only things that can really damage bosses between that, your charge beam, which I'll get to in a second, the super missiles, and sometimes the power bombs. Uh, there are the super missiles. There are 10 of those tanks with five in it each, and those are just even stronger than the regular missiles. They make the ground shake and all that. Uh, there's the power bombs that are just like the bombs, but blow up the whole screen and are stronger. There's the morph ball that lets you curl up into a little ball. If you've played Smash Bros. even, you've seen the morph ball. That's the down B attack. Um, bombs, there are little explosives you can use in the morph ball. There's the charge beam, which is where you hold the shoot button and it does a yeah. stronger shot. I always forget about that. I ended up having, in the late game, you kind of have to use it unless yeah. you sit there and farm the missiles forever. Um, there's the high jump boots, which obviously make you high jump. <laughs> um, they're very useful. But once, my thing with this is when you go back and once you get it after two minutes, the novelty's gone and you just forget about it. Yeah. And they really just have it there to obstruct stuff. And if you go back to the game to start, you're like, ah, this jump sucks. It's <laughs> a, I think the high jump boots are a good example of something that changes your gameplay so suddenly it is more fun to backtrack because yes. you're in all these rooms and you're like, oh, what can I do now? Now you can jump like twice as high and just get to other parts of the rooms and there's yeah. whole different pathways that are usually a lot quicker to get you back to where you need to be. That's that's exact, That's exact. it. That's how they made the backtracking fun is almost every time I went to a room I've been to before, I had some kind of new ability. Yes, and it's, out. and it's usually easier to get through. Like the rooms that are challenging, by the time you have all your abilities, you're like, oh, I can just... This is easy, yeah. especially when you get to some of the later stuff. I mean, there's other beams you have. There's like the Spazer beam that lets you shoot a triple shot. Um, you get the various suit upgrade that lets you withstand extreme temperatures, but not lava or acid. That's not until you get the gravity suit, which lets you walk through water and lava like mm -hmm. it's nothing. Uh, that also, both those suits increase your basically defense, I guess you would call it. There's the ice beam, which freezes enemies, and we've kind of touched on that already. It's really handy when yes. you can just use enemies as platforms rather than having to watch out for them. Um, there are the reserve tanks. Did you find any of these by chance? I found one, and it was... Um, the, I thought this was cool, too. It was in a space where I was trying to see if there was a secret. Um, and there was. <laughs> and there, also, it was in a... I think one of the tanks is down where you first get the morph ball really early. Mm -hmm. um, there's blocks that you look at them and you're like, oh, I know they can blow up to go to a different area. And they require the, the super bomb. Mm -hmm. um, you blow up the super bomb, but then the tank reveals itself way off to the side. And I thought that was cool that they, they put it in a spot where I wouldn't have been able to find the tank by itself. But because I was testing other stuff, I could find it there. You knew there was something to be found, and then they kind of make it like, oh yeah, since you found this, here's another thing down yeah. the line a little bit. It made me feel so freaking smart. Yeah, those reserve <laughs> tanks, they kind of act as like fairies would in Zelda. When you die, it's like you get an extra three tanks that you can use, or you can just activate them whenever in the pause menu. I didn't know how they work. I didn't understand it until I died, and I'm like, oh, that's what that is. So that was nice. Um, there's the grapple beam that lets you swing from blocks and like grab onto enemies and stuff like that. There's the wave beam that lets you shoot through walls. 
The X-ray scope, it's not necessary, but it lets you see where any what breakable block is. So it makes the collection a lot less tedious. You're not just shooting at every wall. One thing I always found myself doing early was I would just go into the morph ball and press left B, left B, left B, left B, left B. Yep. Well, X rather, not B. And just trying to see where the breakable blocks were with the bomb. And that basically cut out all of that, which was nice. Bombs aren't like, you have an infinite amount of bombs, but it's still a lot less tedious that way. Yeah. Uh, then you get the space jump, which unlike the high jump boots, does not just make you jump higher. It lets you repeatedly jump. It doesn't feel good to control at first. Mm. The timing's tough to get down. But once you do, it feels a, a, a quite a bit better, but still not perfect. It's it's a nice ability to have. Uh, there's the spring ball that lets you jump while you're in the morph ball, which is kind of unnecessary because you can already jump with bombs. But it lets you do like a full jump in the morph ball, which is really nice. Uh, then there's the plasma beam that lets you shoot through enemies, and it's, like, really strong. Uh, then there's the screw attack, which I found was just super broken. Because when you're doing the space jump, anytime you jump and you do that little ball animation, you're now a ball of damage. You have a hitbox oh, surrounding nice. you constantly. So it lets you avoid a lot of attacks and deal damage to a lot of enemies So like really that. it's a screw you attack. Yeah, I guess you could say that. That's that's pretty good. Pretty good analysis there. Um, and then the last <laughs> item you get is the hyper beam, which is the rainbow shot that the Metroid gives you at the end of the game that lets you destroy Mother Brain and escape Zebs. It's really nice. But those are all the items. There's a lot of fun ones in there, and they all make the game more fun to run around and control. And they're all very useful. I was playing a ROM hack to get footage for uh, my boss ranking video, so check that out yeah. when it comes out on the YouTube at Analog Sticks. Um, and they give you the screw attack and the gravity suit a little early and the space, they don't give you the space jump at all, actually. And it just makes it so much more easy to do some of the bosses and stuff. Oh, I when you're like, oh, if I had this ability fighting this enemy, it'd be so much easier. And you see that in the overworld, just when you're like, oh, this enemy's tough, but then you get a new beam and it's like, oh, I can flick him and he's going to die. It's just really cool to be able to go back and be a lot stronger than you were the first time you were there. And it makes the backtracking a lot more manageable. You know what I'm wondering, um, and forgive me if this is an obvious answer or not, does Super Metroid have a boss rush mode, like if you beat the game or something? They do not. That's why I was using uh, the ROM hack to get footage. That would be so fun. If they remaster it, which is a possibility, especially now that Dread has sold pretty well, mm -hmm. they're going to redo it and it'll have a boss rush mode, much like Dread does. I actually haven't played it, but I, now that I've played Super Metroid, I'm aching to get back into Dread. We're probably going to cover that pretty soon because I want to. Yeah, I, I had so much more fun with this than I was expecting. It's and, and Dread was a lot of fun, which was the main reason I wanted to come back and do Super Metroid. Obviously, this doesn't feel as good because, you know, it's 25, almost 30 years older. But it's still a lot of fun to play through. And when you go mm -hmm. to Dread, I know you haven't played it yet and I keep alluding to it. You're going to be like, oh my god, this is so good. This is what a Metroidvania is. Is it 2D? Yes. Nice. Yes. Only the Metroid Prime games are 3D, and I kind of want to dabble in those too, because that was kind of Nintendo's answer to Halo at the time, which huh. is something we're going to have to... Yeah, Metroid Prime 2 has like a multiplayer mode, but it doesn't really have online, so it's kind of... <laughs> Nintendo <laughs> responding to Halo doesn't sound like a good recipe. I I've heard that it it's not bad, but like does not stand up to Halo at all, so yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, um, with this game, there's a couple more things I want to touch on before we just get into like straight up just our experiences Wait, and stuff. Before before anyone flames us in the comments, though, 
I have heard that um, a couple of those Prime games are really good, and I, I want to play them. We'll probably cover them at some point. Yeah. I mean, we can we have access to all the Metroid Primes, except for maybe Prime 3 Hunters. Is that the 3DS one? Um, you have a 3DS. I do not. And I don't have capture cards, so getting footage would be a pain. But anyways, back into Metroid, Super Metroid. There is a lot more I still want to talk about. The music. Yeah. Yeah, NES game. I mean, there's a lot of SNES games with really good music. I don't know if you call it chip tunes, but it yeah. kind of gives me that same kind of feel. I think there's something else where it's like, oh, it's scanned audio or something. I don't, I don't know how it works, but I love the music in this game. <laughs> um, there's a lot of different themes to different areas that all feel distinct. Uh, there's only a few different boss tracks, but they're all amazing, mm-hmm. and I love them. <laughs> and just like a few of the sound effects are just amazing. My only gripe is that some of the sound effects, the repetitive ones, get kind of annoying, especially when you're trying to enjoy the music. Like the blaster one, just pew, 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 pew. Uh, the map sound effect, the doo-doo, doo-doo. Sounds oh, yeah. like you're low on health or something. Yeah. I loved the... Shoot, now I can't um, remember exactly what situations... I know you'd mentioned the item get. Oh, dude, that's such a cool little theme. It's It reminds me of getting an item in Zelda. Oh, I love that little sound effect. It's a very different sound effect from Zelda. And guess what? They used the same one in Dread, but now it's like modern. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> I, I love it. I, what I didn't realize, I mean, I keep going back to Dread. I'm, I'm familiar with it. There are so many like holdovers that don't hold the game back that are still in the game 20-something years later, and it's <laughs> phenomenal. Um, there's one little sound. I'm trying to remember when it happens. I Maybe it's when enemies hit you. It's kind of a dunk sound that you That's hear specific. all the time in um, Smash Bros. And I never realized bomb. that it is that what the, the noise bomb. is. Yeah, yeah. And I never realized that was a Metroid sound. In fact, there's a lot of stuff in Smash that I didn't realize was Metroid until I played it. Yeah, and it's a lot of really cool stuff. I I, I love that Nintendo. Tr- like everyone's like Nintendo doesn't love Metroid, but like you look back and you, once you play through it there you're like they really do give it a fair share of love granted not as much as they do mario or zelda of course but they do treat the metroid fans it's just a lot of the people who say that aren't metroid fans i would say yeah metroid (laughs) does take up a lot of the fabric of um like general nintendo aesthetic oh yeah it's cool to to finally get that experience and to be able to look back and see where that game injected itself into other uh nintendo ips and it definitely has. I mean, you you even see it in newer IPs like Splatoon. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of kind of similar concepts that have bled through from Metroid into another third-person shooter game, Splatoon. Mm. And it's really good. I've only dabbled in that, played a couple of multiplayer matches. But, like, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit when I was playing through these games. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've dabbled at all, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Another thing that's really fun in these games is the actual bosses. Yes. I love the bosses in this game. I'm going to go ahead and list them off, and then we can kind of touch on the ones we like the most. So there's obviously Ridley. Um, you mm-hmm. get the first encounter with him where you can't beat him or die to him, and he steals the Metroid. Then there's the Terizo statue, which is a Chozo statue you would normally just get an item from, mm-hmm. but it comes to life and tries to kill you. <laughs> uh, I got to say, my biggest... I, I, I have a complaint with this boss. It is that after having to fight him, I was scared anytime I got an item. <laughs> Like, oh no, is this one going to come alive too? I would look at the room before I get it. I would make a save point. 
and I would I would observe the room and think, does this look like a room built for fighting? <laughs> you know, there's some rooms where it's like, all right, we're safe. There's there's, there's three square feet of area here. Yeah. It's not going to work. But... but there's some rooms where there is like a little ledge and a platform, and I look at it and I'm like, no, he's going to come alive, isn't he? And then they don't until the <laughs> end. I'm getting to that, though. Uh, there's also the spore spawn, which is a big genetically engineered... Honestly, kind of reminded me of the Boca Babas from Zelda, but it's like mm-hmm. dropping spores from the ceiling and you have to shoot the core. Then there's Kraid. If you're familiar with Metroid, you're familiar with Kraid. He's just a giant lizard crocodile monster. Really cool looking. Probably my favorite fight. Spoilers. Teaser for the ranking video. Uh, then there's Crocmire, who's a big like fire crocodile lizard thing. Yes. Very different looking from Kraid, but still reptilian in nature. That one gave me trouble because you have to push him back in it's, order to beat him, right? The phrase I used in the ranking video, if you haven't already, go check it out after this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not coming up till Wednesday, so if you're watching this on Monday or Tuesday, it's probably not up yet. But Crockmire is basically shooty space fencing. You're trying to push him to the other edge, and there's a spike wall in the back, so if he pushes you back enough, yeah. he's going to get you that way. And he can't actually just take damage and die. You have to push him into the lava pit at the end of the room. Luckily, I remembered the charge beam because I kept running yes. out of missiles. Yeah, the charge beam is nifty there. Um, but after him, you face off against Fantoon, who's a big one-eyed squid kind of ghost. Throws blue flames at you, moves around the screen, turns invisible, all that fun stuff. And then there's, I think I'm saying this right, it's Botwoon. Who's just Volvagia, but Volvagia? I, I said Volvagia. Oh my god, <laughs> Volvagia from uh, the Ocarina of Time Water te- No Fire Temple. Mm-hmm. Even though this was first, that's like my first thought that stands out in my head. There, um, it's shoot him in the head, and he throws stuff at you and dances around the room. Uh, there's Dragon, who's like a crustacean dragon kind of thing, who swoops in and out and spits goo at you and tries to grab you. There's some cool stuff with him. Then there's the golden Torizo statue, which is the only other time uh, one of these comes to life. And you don't even get an item from him. It just drops from the ceiling and tries to kill you. It's a much harder version of that same first fight. Then there's Ridley again. This time you can actually fight him and kill him. He's a tough fight. And then there's Mother Brain. And I could talk about the Mother Brain fight for a while. There's a lot I like. There's still some stuff mm-hmm. I don't like with it. I'll dabble in that. Do you want to start there or do you want to start at the top? Let's start at the top again okay. and just go through the bosses one more time, talking a little bit more about them. So, uh, so Ridley, I already said it in the start, caught me way off guard. So I didn't die to him, because you mentioned you can't die from him. Uh, I don't know what I'm remembering then. He probably uh, just kicked your ass and left. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I was, <laughs> um, you know, way earlier in the week. Um Fighting him, I remember beating him and thinking I was good. I was like, I did that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you probably flicked him once or twice. <laughs> yeah, now now it's been revealed to me. No, I was just so bad, the game took pity on me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get into the Chorizo statue. I feel like we covered him pretty good. It's not a hard fight. It's just the first one, and it sketched mm-hmm. Cody out the rest of the game. Um, as for the Spore Spawn... I don't know if you found the same strategy as I did, but I just hid in the corner, and I yep. would jump up to shoot him. Yep, pretty much. Didn't give me too much trouble. I mean, you're shooting up and diagonally to not get hit by the falling spores, and then you blast him in the core. I I ended up... I, I beat him with more health than what I started with, because I was so good at getting the little spores <laughs> and getting energy from them. And it's not hard to not get hit. It's a pretty easy fight, but it's like the first real boss, even though it's not one of the four main ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I enjoyed that fight. For the a first difficulty boss. scaling on this game is beautiful. 
unlike the last couple games until had. you get to the very end <laughs> that's true I, I yeah the very end yeah no because you go from spore spawn and then do you fight crockmire or Kraid first i think i might have them out of order here i fought Kraid second uh, uh okay yeah because that when you get the map he shows up on the map so i i beeline for him as soon as i could oh jump up i didn't there. notice that yeah but Kraid was probably it, it was in the it's in the top third of the fights in my listing mm -hmm. Uh, go watch the ranking video again. He's a big lizard. He throws claws and shoots bone pieces out of his gut. You got to shoot him in the mouth to deal damage. It's a two-phase fight that I absolutely love because at first he's in a big bed of thorns and he just pokes his like from the chest up is sticking out and he's basically throwing the claws and spitting some rocks at you and you just have to shoot him in the mouth. Great is his design is just so cool. He's it's bigger awesome. than the screen and for me when I was playing that impressed me. I don't know if an enemy being bigger than the screen was common at all back then, but I imagine for a kid playing that back in the 90s, that must have been terrifying. Oh, yeah, no, it was. It, it, and it still holds up as a really good fight today, because after that first phase, once you shoot him in the mouth a couple of times, mm -hmm. he decides he's going to break through the ceiling. <laughs> um, and this, I mean, granted, it's not like an impressive cutscene or anything, but just the concept of the boss being like, all right, that's it, I'm going to stand up now. Yeah. And then now he's shooting stuff out of his stomach. And there's a couple of little platforms floating in the air you have to stand on. And in my experience, if one of his claws or something hits you, you're falling down into the thorns. And then you get a platform back up. Granted, it's only like one or two sets of platforms. But it's still, you're trying to stay up there and not get hit. And there's projectiles everywhere. It's a really fun fight. It's like a really early Colossus fight. Yes, very <laughs> early. But uh, it, it does a very good job. There's Crockmire, as we were talking about. He doesn't take damage. You have to shoot him in the mouth to push him back. But the thing is, his attacks include spitting stuff at you and not moving, or moving forward. Oh, and that's like yeah. his only attacks. So <laughs> you'll work all this way and get him so close, and then he's like, I'm just going to move forward a bunch of times. Every time he goes to move forward, though, he opens his mouth, so you have an opening to push him back. Mm -hmm. And it does a little more than he would move forward, but it's still kind of annoying at times. But it's still a fun fight. Um, then there is Fantoon. Fantoon's not that tough. I mean, it's not an easy fight by any means, but it's not, like, incredibly challenging. Um, yeah, I I, but I beat him the first time I fought him, but this is where I had that save mess up, and so I have to go fight him a second time. Yeah, so basically, he turns invisible and drops a bunch of blue flaming eyeballs on the screen. You can destroy mm -hmm. them, but they there's a lot of them at times. And then he'll pop up and summon, like, 15 of those blue eyeballs all at once, yeah. and then that's when he's vulnerable, you usually had to destroy one or two to be able to hit him in the first place, and then you can hit him in the eye a couple times. You know what made the fight really easy for me? I figure this out about halfway through. When he does that move where there's a lot of eyeballs going in a row, mm -hmm. um, if you shoot where they start from, you can get all of them in one go. Really? Yeah. And I did not know that. That would have been very nifty. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, he does this thing where it he, he basically has, they come in a circle around him and shoot out. Um, they all start in a row at the ceiling and drop straight down. And then he does like a little a swinging vine like a of the blue eyes almost. And you can kind of jump over it, but that was where I took most of the damage in that fight, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I saw your footage and you jumped right over him. I didn't know you could do that. I was just shooting him. And that's another thing. There's different ways to tackle the same objectives. I love that in any game, especially yeah. one from almost 30 years ago now. This, um, I think this is a great place for me to bring up something I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, bullet hells. You know that genre? I'm familiar. Um, it's a it's a genre 
where after playing this game, I was like, man, I got to play more of those. <laughs> I'm not good at all. But if there's something kind of fun about trying to avoid all these and having, um, you know, you only have these little windows to get through the different things. I feel like that was a very core type of gameplay, you know, back in the NES and SNES game days. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing with that was developers would oftentimes try to just make games harder to pad out playtimes. Yes. They often couldn't fit a whole hundred hour adventure game on a cartridge so they would just try to make games a little more challenging so kids would have more time to play with them uh something my uncle actually told me a while back was that they would they would make games to where when kids would rent them over the weekend they yes. wouldn't be able to beat it in the one weekend and return to the blockbuster on time or whatever he's like we would get a game friday as soon as we left school and we had to return it by the end of the day sunday he's like if we couldn't finish it by the end of the day <laughs> sunday we were all like devastated yeah, And this was one of those ways they would try to counter that, which is by making things a lot tougher than they could have been. But it's not, like, overwhelmingly challenging. When you have save states, it's manageable. Yeah, not in Metroid. Um, the dodging the bullets on the screen like that, though, I think that's another one of those parts of the language of video games back then. And the average kid, the average gamer back in the 90s, probably had some decent skill, uh, you know, dodging attacks like that. Me, on the other hand... I don't I don't play those older games much, and so when that happens, I'm useless. I'm Where's, just jumping around like, oh, where's the parry move? <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing in Metroid Dread. They give you a parry move, yeah, so it makes right. it a lot more fair. Um, another thing is like you play games like Punch Out or Super Punch Out, and it's like you have your whole thing is you just have to learn how to read the attacks. Yeah, and your thing is you're getting good at dodging the attacks, and it's the same in this game. There's a little tell each boss has when they're gonna do their attack, whether it's like starts to pick up the hand or something like that. In Mother Brain, I got pretty good. I fought Mother Brain a bunch of times, mostly because ammo restrictions. But it's a lot of fun they, just they learning like, the attacks. They're like the very seeds of some of those Soulsborne mechanics. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, this could have been Souls before Souls, if that's something anybody's ever said before. Yeah. Is that something... I wonder if there's any good videos talking about that. The the parallels between Metroidvania and Souls-likes. Yeah. I feel like Soul games are... Um, they're a pretty good 3D version of a Metroidvania. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing. You gotta learn how to defeat the boss and work your way. Like, you're gonna die a bunch of times trying to defeat mm -hmm. this boss, but it feels so satisfying to beat it once you get done. So yeah, once you get done watching this, or listening to this, and then watching my ranking video, <laughs> then you go find comparison and analysis between Souls and 2D Metroid. And Metroid if there aren't games. good ones, tell us, and we'll make a good one. I won't. I'm not making that work for myself. <laughs> Cody will do it. There we go. You Eventually. got it. <laughs> um, but after we finish up Fantoon here, then we're off to face Botwoon. You watched the footage of this one. I don't think you made it this far. Mm -mm. He's an underwater snake, red snake. It's It literally reminds me so much of Volvagia from Ocarina of Time. And I know that this boss came first, and they probably mo modeled Volvagia after Botwoon. But it's still a really cool fight. There's four holes on the back of the screen. It slithers all around in set patterns, goes in the holes. It'll poke its head out and shoot some stuff at you, and then slither all around, and you have to just shoot it in the head with your charge beam or whatever. So that statue near the beginning with the bosses, there are only four bosses there, right? Yeah. So, um, Fan... not Fantoon... Botwoon, like a secondary boss or something? I think they're technically mini-bosses. Same thing with, like, Spore Spawn and the Trezo statues and all that. Mm -hmm. um, 
they're still boss fights by all means. Oh yeah. They're 100% boss fights, but they're not like the required ones. I think that there may actually be some speedrun skips for the spore spawn and uh Batwoon, I'm not sure. Mm. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right wrong. It does not flow off the tongue Batwoon? right. Batwoon something, I don't know. But ah. yeah, this was a fun fight. Only thing I found was kind of like spore spawn. I was just hugging the left wall and I would angle my thing. I'd just take the shots from his mouth or whatever and then get him to where he's just he abandons that strategy after a while and just goes in and out of the holes mm-hmm. and moves a lot faster, of course. I was just hugging that left wall, and I'd only shoot him when he came directly in line of my bullets. So it wasn't really a tough fight for me. After that, you go on to fight Dragon, who's one of another one of my top bosses there. He's one of the main four. He's a weird crustacean thing. And there's some cool cutscenes with this one. Not really cutscenes, but I don't know. It's that same kind of observational storytelling where they tell you a story without saying anything. Oh, yeah. There's like four or five mini dragons in the room, and there's some turrets. You can blow up the turrets, and they stop shooting at you. That's simple. But the mini dragons, they leave the stage, and then big dragon comes in to fight you. It's like, you pissed off mama, now you gotta fight mama, yeah. or whatever. And it swoops in and out, and then spits gray goo at you and tries to grab you. It's a cool boss fight. I know you haven't played it, but you saw it. I'm guessing you got some some recollection from that oh yeah um you brought up something great in your ranking video where you mentioned how watching the so once you beat it you know the babies come back and they they bury the mother i guess they they all swarm (laughs) over big dragon and they just bring her under the floor yeah it's I loved your observation of how that little scene there kind of makes you question what you're doing on this planet, did killing just, all these creatures. Did I just kill their mother? But at yeah. the same time, you're like, I, I had to do it to get to Mother Brain, and Mother Brain's trying to kill everyone, so it's like greater good thing. But it's still like a, a little touching moment they convey there, and I really liked that. It's it's a fun fight, though. There's a quick kill here. I think I told you about that. You mm. get the grapple beam, like I said earlier, and there's those turrets. If you blow up the turrets, they have like a little electric current thing. If you let Dragon grab you, you can still shoot stuff. You grab one of the turrets with the grapple beam, and it electrocutes Dragon off of you, and it quick kills the fight. It's it's pretty ah. neat. But yeah, now that's a fun one. He moves a lot faster at the end, and it's a lot harder, harder to avoid the attacks, but the goo drops ammo and health, so you can always have refills that way. Um, this was another one when I was playing the ROM hack for the boss rush. They give you the uh, screw attack before this fight, and if you do the screw attack, you kill all the goo, and Dragon's just like, ah, I'm out. <laughs> it's one of those funny repercussions they don't think about, because you're not supposed to have the screw attack at this point. Yeah. Uh, then there's the golden Torizo statue, which is just the same thing as the other Torizo statue, but it's smarter. It does this thing where it dodges your missiles just by going sideways, like Paper Mario style. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And the super missiles, it will grab them and throw them back at you, but if you shoot like a bunch of super missiles all at once, you can do some damage, because it can only hold one at a time. Mm. But basically, you're only supposed to use the charge beam. As far as the fight goes, though, it's the same as the first Torizo statue, just limited moveset. And then you have the actual fight with Ridley. It's the same moveset as the first one. He uses his tail, which is just way overpowered. (laughs) The tail, if you touch it at any point, it can damage you. Whereas if you bump into Ridley or the fireballs he shoots at you in your screw attack, you don't get hit by them. But if you hit the tail, it breaks through the screw attack. And... It's like the big thing, like, just don't touch the tail. What I found was jump around using the space jump, avoid the tail, and after he attacks, shoot. And then fall down, space jump again, avoid the tail. That was my big strategy there. But he uses his tail like a whip, he uses it like a pogo stick, 
And then there's acid pits on the side of the room you have to try not to fight and in, fall into, but it feels fair if you do. Um, basically keeps you from hugging the wall there, but it, it's I enjoyed this fight thoroughly. And then there's the big mother brain fight, and this fight mm. is awesome. I'm I'm sad that you missed it. <laughs> I know, me too. Well, uh, honestly, this game is good enough to where I'm probably gonna go back and just finish it. After oh yeah, record. it's worth finishing. I mean, worst case, you can just do the boss rush. But with the mother oh, yeah. brain fight, what really gets me is the room before it just pisses me off. Because there's mm -hmm. turrets, and I, I call them laser donuts. They're, they're circles of energy that slowly fly through the room, and you have to avoid them. But I used so many missiles trying to avoid them. Because you can break the bullets and the laser donuts with your missiles, but there's also these little red things in the wall you have to shoot through. And if you don't shoot them fast enough, they regenerate. So you're constantly trying to spam them with missiles or super missiles to break them. But if you stop or you get hit, it makes your aim off and then you got to like re-aim and it's already regenerating at that point. So I would go into the, oh, excuse me, I would go into the mother brain fight often with like 15 missiles left. It's uh -huh. like, I do not have enough ammo for this fight. And there are no refills in the mother brain fight. But luckily it does feel fair enough where if you're doing it with the charge beam, it's not too detrimental. Okay. Um, so I still really did enjoy the fight and... This was the one I'd honestly say I had the most mastery of, just avoiding the attacks. It has a little, like, bomb thing it spits at you, and it does three bounces, then blows up across the floor. And then it has these, like, blue laser donuts that shoots, like, five at a time. And then after a while, it shoots a bunch of fireballs. And then it's got the unavoidable rainbow beam I mentioned earlier. Yeah. This, what really makes me mad here is that they can't just do it to where it's like, oh, you got to the end of the fight. Now you have one health left because the rainbow beam hits you. If you have 299 health, you die. Start over. Oh, if you have geez. 300 health, you have one health left. If you have 800 health, you have 500 health left. It deals 300 damage regardless. And then the Metroid Hatchling comes in, sucks the life out of Mother Brain. It's like a whole big, like, rainbow mother brain sequence it's pretty cool mm -hmm. and then the metroid hatchling comes and heals you for all your health and then you're back and now you have the met the rainbow beam and essentially you're fighting mother brain her attacks get way faster but you're not going to take enough damage to make it matter so like you don't even have to try to avoid the attacks it's just yeah, yeah. you just hold x because now you have auto fire and just hit him in the head a bunch of times and you're off and then you run away from the planet and win you know what I need to bring up before I forget? Hmm. Um, can you scroll up a little bit on your notes? Scroll up. The the boss, we have to push him back into the lava. Crockmire. Uh, Crockmire. Scared the crap out of me after I beat him. And you oh. run to the left, and its skeleton tries to attack you. I was not ready for a second, um, uh, what do you call it? A second round? Yeah, phase Final two, form. something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was ready to oh. fight it. I'm like, oh, gotta get the charge beam. Go, 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 mm -hmm. go, go. And then it just, I mean. That's so cool, though. After that, it just moment. falls apart, and it's like, oh, psych. <laughs> it's another one of those cruel jokes. Like, you didn't have to do that to me, you know? This whole game is all about throwing you off, I think. Oh, yeah, and it does a pretty good job, I will say. As far as notes, though, I mean, that's pretty much all I really have on this game. There's a lot I still want to talk about, just kind of like general yeah. game philosophies and stuff of the times, and kind of what I see for the future of the Metroid franchise, making predictions and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, like, obviously, Dread just came out last year, and it's phenomenal. It's one of those, I feel like the genre it's in benefits so much from it being 2D that no matter what, 2D is always going to be the way to go for a game like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, and there is a place for the Prime series as well, but it's, it's not the same as, you know, a 2D no. Metroidvania. 
I think that the Prime games can still do good. Speaking of Prime 4, when you coming out, it's been like seven years <laughs> or whatever. And I think it's actually been like eh, probably close to six. I don't know. It's been a while since they announced it. But I think the 2D Metroid is, can stand on its own, and it should, obviously. It's genre-defining. This is what Metroidvanias are. It's in the title. Metroidvania mm-hmm. has Metroid in it, obviously. And I think that this game, it still holds up. Obviously, Dread, I'd say, is a better, more well-designed game. But it came out 27 years later. So I'd hope it would be better. I'd hope that there would be advancements in technology and hardware and software that would allow you to make a better version of the game 27 years later. And just, um, they have 27 years to build on the gameplay philosophy of that genre, you know? Oh yeah, no, most definitely. But the thing is... Like, there have always... This This is Metroid 3. Metroid Dread is Metroid 5. So yeah. there, there's been a gap, because it went from Metroid... Super... It, it went Metroid... Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Super Metroid. Then Metroid Fusion came out, I think, almost eight years... Six to eight years after Super Metroid. And then it was almost 20 years before we got another mainline Metroid game. So this was kind of like the first modern Metroid game... Because, I mean, the GBA essentially used the same engine as the SNES. Yeah. So this was really, like, the first taste of it. Now it's got me wanting just a Super Metroid with all the quality of life. And, I mean, people are like, oh, you can't change the sprites from Super Metroid. They're timeless. But I would love to see Ridley, well, I mean, we got him in Smash, but Ridley in a modern Metroid game. Yeah. Or some of these other fights. Like, Fantoon could look awesome. They could really nail the ghost effects and... Just thinking about, like, Dragon. Oh, man. This is a bit of a tangent. Can we talk about how um, dark some parts of this game gets? Go for it. It really surprised me being a Nintendo game. Um, I mean, even with Nintendo, even if there's dark stuff in a game, it's like kitty type of dark, haunted house. Luigi's um, Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, man, this must have... I mean, the only thing I can think of is that this is an earlier Nintendo game. So it was back when... They didn't have the exact same type of branding they do now, and I think they were allowed to get away with something like Super Metroid, but some parts of that game are genuinely creepy, and some of those sprites are are horrifying. Oh yeah. It's awesome. I mean, just like the whole wrecked ship, it starts out, it's a little darker, because Fantoon's mm-hmm. sucking the life out of, the energy out of the ship, and the enemies in there are all like, like ghosts. the space pirates in there, and then there's like robots and ghosts, and it's like you gotta try to avoid them, and there's like the little turret things. The, the way they handled atmosphere, mm-hmm. especially for a game from 20, 27, 28 years ago, is just, it's incredible. They make it feel like you're in a wrecked ship, even though you're just in a square room with a bunch of pixel art. Yeah. And I love that. That's another cool thing. So when, um, when Super Metroid came out, I feel like that was like the peak of 2d gaming it was Mm -hmm. so polished you know every aspect of that game just looks right there's there's nothing there's nothing missing there's no janky parts of it um i love seeing that type of nintendo quality on those later 2d games oh yeah i'd say i feel like everything controls really well you said no jank it it really is quite a polished experience Mm -hmm. it feels good there's never any one point where i'm like oh this kind of sucks the only thing i have to complain about is the space jump and if you really dive into the mechanics of it, basically you have to jump, and after the peak of your jump, once you drop one block in height, you can jump again for like a small window. 
it just kind of feels like you should be able to mash the jump button and keep jumping. Mm -hmm. And that's like my only gripe with anything in the controls yeah. of this game. It's a bit like the wall jump. I feel like the only jank is is user fault. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, the wall jump. So the way it works in Metroid, it's not just like you run up the wall like in a Mario game and you press A again and you kick off of it. You have to jump into the wall. You have to be in the little ball, so you have to be moving when you jump. And then you have to jump into the wall, press away from the wall, and then press A. Yeah. Or at the same time, but I found that there's a little bit of leniency if you press away first and then press A, and you can jump again. And it feels really satisfying to pull off. It's just a little uncomfortable to get the hang of. But once you get the hang of it, it feels so natural. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you feel the same way with it. No, I do. It did take me a minute to get the hang of, but once I did, I was jumping everywhere. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I found it way later than you did, it sounds like, but once I found it, it's like, I wish I had this the whole time, but yeah. now I have the space jump, and it's like, I kind of don't need it. But it was Oh, still... so you found out about it after you got no, it? No, no, oh, I found okay. it just before I had the space jump. <laughs> huh. Huh. It was, uh, even still, it was so much fun to play with, and when I was going back through the ROM hack, check out the rankings video again. Mm -hmm. You can see me; I just use it everywhere because it's yeah. it's so nice to use. I use it in the Fantoon fight, in the Crade fight. I, I don't think I use it in the Spore spawn, but there's a couple of others. I found out about it. I'm gonna guess like as soon as you're physically able to. I accidentally ended up in that room, and I, you know, it took me forever to figure out how to get out. But there are some items that I got early because I would just wall jump instead of doing the um, the swinging mm -hmm. that they expect you to do. Yeah, I found out about it after I'd already had the grapple beam as well, so <laughs> it was a little disappointing at that point. But it was still nice to have. At, at that point, I knew I played Dread, and in mm -hmm. Dread you still have the same like kind of bomb mechanic where you can time your bombs out and find that rhythm like the two 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 and you can continually yeah. bounce up i was trying to do that on these giant chasms and it would take me like 10 minutes to do it but then i could do it and i'm like i wish i had the i wish i knew the wall jump and that would have been so nice i had a lot of fun uh getting to the top of the planet where your ship is after mm -hmm. getting all this movement stuff and just running around oh <laughs> yeah no, it's really nice yeah, you can, you can see how high... And there are, like, little nooks and crannies you can climb. There's nothing yeah. there. There's no point to it. But it's still cool to see how high up you can climb. It's a little playground. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, the movement just feels fun. It's awesome to run around and jump and shoot stuff and platform through it all. I love the way this game is designed. And before this, I'd say I was a guy who liked Metroid Dread. Now I'm going to say I'm a guy who likes Metroid. Yeah. I want them to put Metroid Fusion on the switch so get those gba games on there already and then i want to play that <laughs> yes and i'm i'm so glad that i've opened myself up to metroidvanians i feel like there's a whole uh there's just a whole list of games now that i think i'm ready to try out for cody's the first downloading time. hollow knight as soon as he gets home <laughs> i've actually heard that one's like legitimately quite hard which one hollow knight mm, yeah that might be fun i don't know i haven't played it but yeah actually you know what i have played a metroidvania um, what's it called? I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a Brazilian indie game. What's the name I'm of that I'm about game? to Google Brazilian indie Metroidvania. Metroidvania. Please do. Uh, it'll probably bring up whatever that game is. But there's a really fun mechanic of you're only allowed to jump on walls. And so to get around, you have to have the right walls showing up. Is it the light of darkness? D Dandara, that's what it is. Dandara. Dandara. 
It was the first one. I looked at the second one. My bad. If you're into <laughs> Metroidvanias, that's a pretty good game. It looks like a Metroidvania. Yeah, See, I mean, it's so, got really good pixel art as well. It's more HD 2D, but... And you can only move around by hopping onto these platforms, and you can get upgrades to uh, put you on different types. Okay, so it's very different, but it's still a Metroidvania. That's neat. I might have to try that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Celeste has any boss fights, but I'd imagine it's a lot of the same 2D platforming, like, tough, using the movesets you get. I think you have your whole moveset from the start, though, so that might be a little different, mm. but... It's still cool. I could sit here and ramble on about Metroidvanias for a while. It's already been an hour and 11 minutes. I didn't even realize that. This episode I, flew past. <laughs> I really got a pee, too. Okay, so we're going to wrap this one up. Thank you guys very much for listening. If you Thank haven't you. already, check out our Twitter, check out our Patreon, check out the ranking video. But if you haven't gone to check out the ranking video, that's on you. I've told you like 15 times. <laughs> you can check out all the other episodes of the podcast, too. We're going to be back next week, and I think we're covering Banjo-Kazooie on the N64. That's right. Get ready, guys. That's going to be a fun one. Thank you very much for listening. For myself, as well as Cody, we will see you next week on the Analog Sticks Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.